All right, good morning, everyone. Ooh, where's my big voice today? Nice to see you here. Give yourself a pat on the back for making it. Thank you for uh, filling up the middle and making me feel supported and everyone feel welcomed. Let's just spend a little time discussing the truth as best we are able. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and remind us in our hearts of the things that we should know, the things that Jesus taught, and the wisdom into which you are leading us. We pray, Lord, that we'd all leave changed at least a little bit, improve us so that we may improve the world around us. Mostly, Lord, give us a sense uh, for uh, the kingdom life. In Jesus' name, everybody says. I went to uh, a little rural high school. Um, it, was a, it was a real good little school, and uh, the staff uh, tried really hard. Um, and it was a while ago. Let's never mind how many years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, education was a little bit different then. And my school didn't really offer advanced mathematics. Like, we really didn't offer calculus and stuff like that at my high school. Um, you could take calculus by the time I became a senior. They had an advanced placement program, but it was very involved, and I was trying to take some other AP courses. It just, just wasn't like you see in high schools today where everything is like smooth. And so I, I got out of high school without ever really learning calculus, like algebra, trigonometry. That's about uh, as far as I went. And you may be thinking, well, what does calculus, algebra, and trigonometry have to do with following Jesus? Not, not a lot, but it's an illustration. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't miss calculus. I was not uh, an engineering major or something like that. Uh, I got into uh, the social sciences. I was uh, getting a, a master's, a PhD in political science uh, policy analysis. And I had to take statistics in grad school. Uh, in order to get my degree. And it turned out that for advanced statistics, you needed calculus. And uh, so uh, I struggled a little bit through the class. And then the night before our midterm in that class, I'll never forget, I got one of my classmates uh, to spend some time with me. And I said, all right, we have six hours. Teach me calculus. And that's how I learned calculus. Not very well. Um, but have you ever had an experience like that? Where it's like, well, I, uh, I just don't have to do this. And then life goes along, and then later you're like, I wish I had taken care of that when I could. You know? Like, I wish, I wish I had this basic skill. I didn't know that calculus was a basic skill for what I wanted to do, but evidently it was. Um, and then you end up getting caught short later. Nod, give me sympathy. I can't see your smiles, so you're going to have to do it with body language. You had an experience like that? All right. Shifting gears, here's your warm-up question today. What's the best way to change the world? Spread the gospel. There you go, no Ryan. See, now, that's a Christian answer. Way to go, spread the gospel. All right, what other, what other answers come to mind? What's the best way to change the world? I just, hold that. I'm... Try that again. Yell at the pastor. I don't know what you said. Growing up. 
showing, showing up. Showing up is the best way to change the world. This is a Blue Water veteran. What? Make your bed. That, that works on multiple levels. It's, it's a conceptual answer, I think. Yeah. Anything else come to mind? Work on yourself. You guys are such mature disciples. Uh, I love it. Here's a humbler sub-question. Uh, what's the best way to change a life? Love them. Jesus, again. No, I like, all right, you're getting to heaven. Just relax, buddy. Just relax. Jesus, best way to change a life. Love, I hear, I've heard love a couple times. Showing up. We don't know a lot of things, but the few things we know, we know well at Blue Water. All right, well, those are all really, really great answers, of course, and uh, I can tell that some of you are veteran travelers uh, in the kingdom life. I just thought I'd throw those questions out there because that's kind of our business, right? I mean, life is not about existence. Life is about transformation and making a difference and living with purpose. And, and another way to express that is to say that life is about changing the world or life is about changing life or you change yourself so that you can change other lives. It's like, you know, we're making progress here. Uh, that's the point. Uh, and I think we're trying to do it in... Uh, in a godly way, right? Uh, we're trying to change the world in the name of Jesus. We're trying to change the world for the sake of Jesus. We're trying to change lives uh, in, in Jesus' name. Now, you can be a believer or you can be an atheist. Maybe you're here today and you're still trying to figure these things out, but you have to admit that this fellow Jesus of Nazareth changed the world more than any other individual in history. Right? If you were just to pick one life out of all the lives that we know about on the planet, Jesus of Nazareth just changed the world. And what's really interesting for me is that Jesus changed the world mightily, massively. Half the globe is following him today. Um, but you would not have necessarily realized it was happening were you observing his life in real time, Right? because he was despised, he was rejected by men. There was nothing in him that he sh we should be attracted to him, as the prophet said. Uh, he was murdered when he was still quite young, his followers dispersed. And yet, he ended up changing the world massively in every way that you could possibly imagine. He changed it spiritually, he changed it uh, socially, he changed it, he, he, he started the greatest social justice movement in all time, if you want to think of it that way. He, he started uh, a, an economic movement because wherever uh, uh, Christianity has taken hold, people have prospered more than where it has not. You know, it's like all these things he changed, but you would have not necessarily known it while you were looking at him. A lot of us follow Jesus here. Any Jesus followers out there? I know we have one. <clears throat> and it seems like we would be interested in understanding how Jesus pulled it off. We know that we're supposed to change the world and we are supposed to change lives because of Jesus. But an added idea is that we can change the world and change lives in the same way that Jesus did it. You understand the difference? That Jesus was our model 
for being transformative. Do you think that's true? You think that's true? Raise your hand if you think it's true. Raise your hand if you don't think it's true. Just raise your hand and tell me that you're listening. All right. A lot of conscientious objectors out there this morning. It's, it's a fairly controversial thing to say because a lot of people treat Jesus as if he's exceptional. Like, Jesus was Jesus. You know, Jesus was the Christ. You know, he was like this massive miracle worker, son of God. He knew things that the rest of us didn't. So we're going to do what Jesus said, but <clears throat> we can't be like Jesus. And there's a huge tract of the church that believes that. And I remember when I figured it out to the contrary, and particularly like when I uh, was getting out of high school and getting into college, I realized, no, I'm supposed to walk life exactly like Jesus walked life. Maybe not exactly to the detail, but doing all of the same things in the same way because he didn't just teach things, he modeled things. I mean, that's why he lived instead of just sending an email. You know, we're supposed to have a model in his life. And, you know, he did miracles, I do miracles. He lived sacrificially, I live sacrificially. He built community in a certain way, I try to build community in a certain way. He modeled love, I try to uh, do what he did. Uh, because sometimes you need a model uh, to do it right. Unho spoke wonderfully about this a, a few weeks ago in her sermon when she said the Bible really bugged her uh, until she uh, saw it come alive around her, people trying to do the things and experiencing the things that she read about in the Bible, and it changed. Sermon series on how Jesus did it. How Jesus did it. You know, we know what we're supposed to do. Let's just do it like Jesus did it. And then just really think about exactly how he pulled it off. Exactly how he pulled it off. Because sometimes you can miss it when uh, just by uh, reading the details of the story, you kind of miss uh, what's going on uh, in the Bible stories. Uh, and I think this is a sermon series that is both timeless and timely. I think it's timeless in the sense that, you know, Christians have been trying to change the world for 2,000 years, and, you know, it's always been our mission. We're called to be salt and light, so figuring out how Jesus did it is a timeless importance. But it's also timely because a lot of people are uh, talking about revolutionary world change out there today. And we've had a lot of world-changing big events happen over the last couple of years. Have you noticed any? Uh, and so there's, there's just a lot of world change in the air, and people are arguing about it. They are fighting tooth and nail about not just what needs to be changed, but how to go about doing the changes. And somewhere in the midst of all that, we're still trying to change our lives and the lives of the people around us. So I think it's a fairly timely topic as well. In today's uh, message, we're just going to begin at the beginning. Uh, today's message is, you have to begin with the proper motions. Uh, you have to be willing to do the basics so that later they can expand and become automatic. My son has been getting into boxing uh, lately. Um, he's got a bag in the backyard, and he's always kind of been interested in various martial arts, and we talk about it a lot. There was a time in my life where I studied martial arts quite a bit. Have any of you ever, like, gone to a dojo or done martial arts and stuff? And they all start the same way. You start just beginning with how to throw a punch, and you do that like 
10,000 times until you have the basic motion correct. And then from there, you get to expand it. Then from there, you get to improvise. But you have to go through the basic motions first, and that's what we're going to talk about today in our scripture for today. I have a couple very short ones. The first one is from Matthew chapter 3, and it is what you might consider the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which would be his baptism. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 13. Uh, it's Jesus getting baptized by John, John the Baptist, as it turns out. You guys know this story? You read it? Um, <clears throat> so Jesus was just coming onto the scene, and John the Baptist was sort of a revivalist, and he had made a big deal of this Jewish institution called baptism. It was a ceremonial washing, a ceremonial dunking that traditionally symbolized conversion. Like when somebody wanted to convert to the Jewish faith, they would undergo a baptism and be like, you know, I'm cleansed of the old or I'm dead to the old and now I'm a new person and, and had some other uses as well. But it was a sign of conversion, a, a sign of repentance, which literally means to think differently. That's what repentance means. And John preached repentance and baptism, and hundreds and thousands of people were getting baptized. And then Jesus shows up. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Jordan is the name of a, of a river in Israel, if you don't know. But John tried to deter him, saying, Hey, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Dude, you're the righteous one here, John was saying to him. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. Some of your translations will say to perfect righteousness or to complete righteousness, to fill in the corners. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. It's a moment where he was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And in this instance, uh, there was a little apparition, a little dove-like apparition that went along with it. How many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, different manifestations at different times. This manifestation, this style was really cool. A little dove alighted on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That was a good baptism. Uh, how many of you have been baptized? How many of you heard a voice from heaven? Fewer than you might hope. Fewer than you might hope, yeah. Really cool though, great story. Uh, Jesus baptized to, to fill in the corners, to do the protocol, right? just to kind of go through the motion, not because he needed to, right? That's what bugs you about the story. What, and it's what bugged John the Baptist about the story. Jesus did not need to convert. Jesus was doing pretty well spiritually up to that point. He did not need to repent, right? And therefore, he did not need to practice this ritual of repentance. And John immediately realizes this but, and says, no, no, you don't need to be baptized. But if you'd like to baptize me, you know, I could use a touch-up. Uh, and Jesus says, no, we're going to do this to be complete with things. 
we're gonna do this to fill in the corners. We're gonna do this to go through the motions. There's something that I'm gonna get out of it. So John's like, well, okay, dude. And one thing he immediately gets out of it is that the spirit takes the opportunity to fill him up with uh, the presence of heaven, which was really useful. Uh, and also God the Father took the opportunity to affirm him and to say, oh, you're willing to, you know, you're willing to honor the basics. Let me take this moment to say, that really makes me stoked. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. And that makes for a, a good day. Why do you suppose that Jesus did it even though he didn't need to do it? Well, he was obviously wanting to get something out of it. I think there's a modeling aspect to it as well. Like if Jesus is the model, then his willingness to repent, so to speak, and to be baptized sets a good precedent for the rest of us. You know, it shows us how to do it and it shows us what we might expect to get out of it, which is a little extra spiritual power, a, a, a feeling of being affirmed by God. The Holy Spirit is primarily a spirit of adoption and only secondarily a spirit of empowerment. All of that is true, but it's a little bit like putting on proper clothes before going outside into a storm. You know, if you skip the basic easy parts, then you'll be in a poor position to do anything later. You know, it's like, no, just take care of business. You know, even, even the easy stuff that you might rightfully skip over and one gets the sense that that's what Jesus is trying to do here. As I meditate on it, uh, one of the things that I like about Jesus' baptism story is that it displays that he is putting God the Father in charge, right? I mean, he could justifiably skip this step. Like, I don't really need to go through a whole big ritual of repentance, so I'm doing pretty well. Um, but in doing it, he's signaling to God the Father that no, no, I'm going to dot the I's and cross the T's because that gives you the opportunity to call the shots. It's not my life that dictates the course of my life. It's your desires that dictate the course of my life. Are you following me? Everybody give one big clap. Nah, I know you're following me. Um, so it's an opportunity to put, the, to put the Lord in charge. And we see this in a clearer way in the mark version of the story. The baptism story is also uh, um, told in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's a little bit differently. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. So it sounds very, very similar so far. And a voice came from heaven you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then it's the next verse. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And there, as we know, he was tempted for 40 days and all sorts of satanic trials were inflicted upon him, right? And so by putting the Spirit in charge in a small thing, it's like, well, you know, look, I don't necessarily have to do this, but I'm going to submit to this ritual, I'm going to submit to this protocol, because I just want it to be clear, Lord, that you, the Father, are in charge. Then the Spirit immediately takes the opportunity to, to really be in charge and to lead him out into deeper waters, so to speak. Now he's not just being dunked in a river, he's being 
dunked in a chaotic ocean of temptation, right? And one gets the feeling in the way that Mark structures the story that the willingness to be obedient in the little ways prepared Jesus to be obedient in some of the bigger ways that he would have to exercise when he went out into the wilderness. You're right. He who is faithful in small things will be faithful in big things. If you neglect being faithful in the little ways, when it comes time for the big game, you're just not going to be as prepared as you would like to be. Even Jesus knew that. And he modeled it for us at the very beginning, before he even tried to change the world, he did the little things. And that started a cascade effect that led, in fact, to him changing the whole globe. Any number of things in life are like this, right? Like things that have minimal intrinsic value to them, but if you skip them, you would feel the effects later on, you know, like neglecting a a certain math skill, or you know, neglecting a certain chore in your life, not flossing your teeth before bed, right? Doesn't cost you a lot over time, it does a lot. Uh, a willingness to submit to just the basics. And there's something in human nature that rebels against it. But world transformation and life transformation begins with the willingness to submit to the basics, uh, to not be special, to not be exceptional. That's the only way to build a path to being exceptional and special. Uh, to not be too cool for school, uh, to not start to make excuses for yourself in a way that gives the devil a foothold, as the Apostle Paul put it, and gradually leads to ruination or the destruction of whatever change you're trying to bring in your life. I had a football coach once who insisted that when we were out on the field, we always kept our socks pulled up. You know how hard it is to keep your socks pulled up on a football field in a game? I mean, you're getting hit, you're getting knocked down all the time, you're getting dragged through the mud, and then after every play to stop and to pull up your socks. But if he noticed your socks were ever down during the game, he would pull you from the game. How stupid is that? Or is that really wise? What do you think? It, you know, we, uh, we were young, and he wanted to make sure that we became proper people and not just good football players, but it's like, no, this is just a willingness to submit to something that seems ridiculously basic. But I'm telling you, if you do it, it will set you up and prepare you to follow through on the larger obediences that are going to make you a champion. And it started with pulling up your socks in the football game. That is a bad analogy because very few of us wear socks in normal life, but pretend that you have some. Everybody pull up your socks. As Mike said earlier, 80% of anything is just showing up. It's just putting yourself in a position for the rest of it, right? And then, then you see what happens. But if you're not in the basic position, then you know, you're not going to have the opportunity. You're not giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to make the most of it. And that's what God does, right? In Jesus' baptism, you get dunked in water. Big deal. 
But God takes the opportunity to say, well, I will make it a big deal. I will share my presence with you. I will speak to you in an audible voice from heaven. I will lead you then out into the deeper places of your life and work you out so that you're ready for the next big thing. As long as you pull your socks up. You know? There's humility in that. There's a willingness to submit in that. And that's how it works. That's how world change and life change always works. Are you getting the feel of it? You getting the feel of it? Um, God was pretty pleased uh, by Jesus' willing to submit commonly. Uh, I can tra- I mean, I've been doing ministry a long time. I, I am a man of a certain age at this point. Uh, I've walked through life with thousands of people, and and I can trace the collapse of a lot of people, uh, as I've watched it happen, back to tiny little omissions or tiny little compromises that they didn't do in the first instance. Uh, And I'm old enough now that I can see these things coming a mile off as somebody's sitting in my office getting counseling sometime and they're talking about some big thing they want to do in life or some big thing that's wrong in their life, and I will say, uh, do you pray every morning? Or what's the last thing God told you? Or why haven't I seen you in church? Which sounds like non sequiturs, right? It sounds like I'm talking off topic, but I'm not, right? Because I know like the connection between the little tiny things, the instances of pulling up your socks, of being willing to submit to a ritual, of showing up, <laughs> and how they can become huge repercussions uh, down the road. What little tiny sin are you indulging in your life? I know, I know it's not a big deal, but it's the seed of a rebellion, right? And if it takes root, it's going to overwhelm you in due time. So, you know, practice that repentance. You know, figure out, figure out a way. Keep it front and center. Share it with somebody, you know. Don't give the devil a foothold or a finger hold, as Paul says. You know, and the best way to handle that stuff is to pull your socks up. It's to do the little things every day, every week, every month. All right, you following me? You got the point? I know you do. How do we apply it? Something, something like this, I think, in life. Are you going through the proper emotions? Or are you trying to skip ahead to the good parts? What are you doing? Are you doing the small little things? Or are you trying to just, just do the big things? Are you trying to score a touchdown without pulling up your socks? I've made enough of that analogy, haven't I? I, I, I won't repeat it again. But you know, what are you trying to do? Because it's human nature uh, to just skip over uh, the little things and to just try to major on the majors. Uh, it's like starting a fitness program. Like, don't try to run a marathon today. You know, maybe you want to start with buying a proper pair of shoes or something like that. <clears throat> he who is faithful in small things will be faithful in big things. I think the message today is like, if you want to change the world, be unexceptional. Be unexceptional. If you want to be uncommonly transformative, one of the things you really have to do well is you have to be common. 
You get it? And that is a basic kingdom principle. If you want to be uncommonly powerful, uncommonly prosperous in ways that count, be a common person and just settle with that. It's one of the first things Jesus modeled. Just be common. So what little things are you neglecting in life? What do you think? What little things are you neglecting? Little tiny righteousnesses that you're kind of brushing away inappropriately? Or what little tiny unrighteousness, did I say that right, unrighteousnesses, are you accepting inappropriately? Little things, you know, that you'd be willing to brush off and excuse, but which will cripple you later. I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to reflect on the Lord, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would breathe things to our hearts, not in a spirit of judgment or punishment, but in a spirit of coaching and development.